Hello and welcome to We Are The University. I'm your host, Nick Saffel. In this episode, we speak to Simone Ehringfeld, MPhil student at the Faculty of Education and producer of the Cambridge Quarren Chats podcast. We talk about education in the time of COVID, how the move to online education will affect the idea of the university and how she sees the disruption as an opportunity to reimagine the future of the post-COVID university. Simone shares conversations from her Quarren Chats podcasts where guests reimagine the learner's journey, possible ways forward, and how institutions like Cambridge might embrace necessary change. So, okay, so Quarren Chats, can you tell me a little bit about the show and sort of what inspired you to start the show? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Cambridge Quarren Chats is a podcast that I started um in april like right after basically the lockdown started end of march um it came out of several things really um first of all i'm doing an mphil in education and international development at the faculty of education here and i was uh, i'd been preparing to go on field work um in uganda um to do a project which involved like photography and it was very collaborative and we were going to do this like exhibition in the community and it was working with refugees i was very excited to do that but then um obviously the pandemic started and very quickly i mean it was very chaotic in the beginning but very quickly it turned out that you know this i couldn't uh, go on with that anymore so i had to cancel those plans which was um not great um but and i found it quite hard at the time but then I you know I stayed in Cambridge and I was like okay so what now like my my entire research disappeared and also like a lot of my peers had to rush off um we couldn't properly say goodbye suddenly I wouldn't see any of my teachers anymore or be at the faculty like my college kind of closed down so I was like how can I stay in touch with people and how can I contributes to I don't know trying to understand the time that we're going through because so many of us were dealing with similar issues like we were feeling anxious um, or just unsure about what to do and so it really started as a way for me to remain in touch with um, some of the people I was close to at my college and then it started developing from there into something much larger so it really it was weird because I, the, the, the idea for the podcast came up as out of nowhere almost. I just woke up one morning and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> and then whilst uh, creating the first episodes, it started to develop into much uh, more. So I started interviewing people at my faculty, but also from other departments, um, talking about the question of the future of higher education, of the post-COVID Uh, university what would that look like Um, how would Cambridge look like um, after this pandemic and trying to sort of get to that question from multiple angles so I've been interviewing um, undergraduates but postgraduates postdoctoral researchers I've been interviewing some professors my head of faculty but also um, my college porter just to see how people from within different positions of the of the university are experiencing this pandemic and what they think might happen moving forward into the future. Um, so can you tell me sort of some of the things that they've shared? Like, is there any really sort of insight that you sort of garnered about mm-hmm. that you sort of, because you mentioned the topic of um, the future of education and the future of the university. Has there any sort of comments that they've shared with you? Yeah. 
I mean, so much, right? I mean, every single episode has been incredibly different. There's a huge variety of voices of different interests. Um, but I think aside from the diversity of stories and what people have been sharing, what has really come forward for me is this sense of hope and this need for resilience. So the podcast conversations have really, I've, I've really tried to make them inspiring, a little bit uplifting, um, hope giving. Um, for instance, one of the things that I tend to do at the end of every episode is to ask people to share an inspiring quote or a song or a piece of text um, that has been getting them through this difficult time. Um, and from what I've heard from people listening to the podcast is really that they, they really appreciate this, um, the, the, the hopeful aspect of it. Um, and obviously we're being very critical and we're having difficult conversations. For instance, um, when all the anti-racism protests uh, happened after the, the death of George Floyd, um, I was also interviewing uh, black students at Cambridge to talk about what their experience is like with racism within this institution. Those are difficult conversations to have. They're very important conversations to have, but they're very difficult. Um, so I think the podcast has also become a platform for us to look within ourselves as an institution, um, particularly as someone who studies education. Um, and international development, we're always looking, we're studying questions to do with education that always happen elsewhere, particularly in the global south, because it's international development. And there's this sort of idea um, of developing education. Um, but then we're sort of not reflecting on on our own institution and what needs to be developed here, basically, <laughs> or what needs to change, um, especially in times of a pandemic, it's like a a great opportunity for us to sort of reflect and take a step back and reconsider our our own institution and to, to talk about these things. So on that sort of international education element, has it created opportunity for sort of access to education? Well, that's, that's one of the questions that I've been um, asking people myself on the podcast. And, you know, there's, there's not a simple answer in terms of yes or no. Um, I think to some extent, Sure, it has the potential to um, enlarge access, but um, we need to use that potential in the right way because it also has the potential to, to do the exact opposite. Because obviously when we move to online education, what happens is that you need, there's different barriers to having this access to education, such as having a laptop, having um, a space where you can work. So you need all those things. If you don't have them, then, you know, it's all nice and, and, and sounds great to move to online education, but a lot of people don't have that access at all. At the same time, I think having attending a university, like a physical campus, like coming to Cambridge, it has other, um, other barriers to access. And if you move to online education, what happens is you can actually offer it to many more people at a much larger scale because you're no longer limited by the amounts of, you know, places that colleges have available or accommodation or stuff like that, or how many people can fit into like a physical classroom. Suddenly you can offer, you can reach so many more people. So there is definitely a potential, but it needs to be, um, it needs to be treated in a right way and approached in 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 uh, in a way that's you know you have to take into account all the complexities that come with it 
thinking about education and uh, especially universities and things, do you think there is potential for for an improved digital landscape? So, you know, incorporating more video and audio um, into teaching? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for me, um, this has been a time to to become more creative. So I think in education in general, we can definitely do this. And for instance, when I interviewed my uh, head of faculty, Professor Susan Robertson, she was definitely talking about how this time has been a way for the faculty of education to really reflect on their own pedagogies and their own teaching styles and how they offer their learning material. And when we're just meeting face to face for education, we just assume, you know, okay, we're going to have a lecture or we're going to have a seminar, but it's always in a particular format. Um, there's sort of, you don't even question the way you teach anymore to so much. So when we move online, you have to really put a lot of thought into the learner's journey. And I think it offers opportunities in the sense that, you know, there's, we all learn in different ways. For instance, I, particularly during this lockdown, I was not really feeling the, the reading and the writing so much so because of my focus levels. And I, um, wanted to listen to uh, people talk about things or have more conversations. So having more this sort of auditory learning style, um, usually um, that can be a bit tough because academic um, work tends to be very heavy on the writing and the reading. Um, and so I think it would be really cool if we can see, look at education in a more multimedia sort of way in which we can combine video with podcasts, with recorded lectures, with um, discussion platforms. Um, definitely, if you look at Cambridge next year, there will also be face-to-face um, -face teaching. It will be a mix of online and face-to-face. -face. So it can become a really diverse climate or learning environment, which I find incredibly exciting. So I know you've tried with your podcast, you've tried to incorporate your podcast into your research how do you go from that stage of, um, I'm thinking about your decision making, right? And how you um, question things. So how do you go with that from that stage where you had your, um, your research that you were going to do and it's had to totally change? What was the sort of mindset on how you got through that change? So I, when I started the podcast, my idea was not that this would become part of my research. It was literally a way for myself to cope with all the different changes and to um, talk to other people uh, about these changes, but then to make these conversations available to a larger audience. So many more can benefit of this. And then it changed into, huh, this is actually quite interesting in terms of a research um, method in a sense that, you know, when you do qualitative uh, research, you, you conduct interviews, but they tend to be private and anonymous. Um, with podcasts, that's ob obviously different uh, because it's out in a public domain and uh, not anonymous, but they're still interviews. And I found it quite interesting to see how, um, how, they, how they change, how people speak in different ways. Um, how this process of having conversations in general, which I find incredibly important in learning, not just in research, but in learning, it's like this, this immediate feedback. You feed off of each other. You can ask each other questions and you have this, you can build off of each other. And with, with um, standard sort of interviews, 
you know, it's often, it tends to be one directional. You have the interviewer asking questions and then the interviewee is answering them. But I found it interesting to have a more collaborative process of knowledge making and of argumentation where you really, um, you're, you, you go into the conversation as more equal. And I found the podcast actually as a way to do so where, you know, frequently my podcast guests are asking me things as well. And so I found that dynamics really interesting also for research purposes. What does that mean? How can we be um, collaboratively constructing this conversation, this almost, I mean, speculating about the future? We're talking about narratives. We're talking about stories. We're talking about reimagining something. How do we reimagine a future of education? Um, I think it's really great to do that with each other through conversation, through dialogue. Um, that's so interactive and engaging. Uh, rather than the more static sort of one directional format. So, and the other great thing about the podcast is that um, when you're listening to the episodes and then you have another guest coming on, you can also refer back to what other people have said in the podcast. And it can become this, this conversation that, that um, transcends just the framework of this one episode. And I found it really interesting to explore that. So. What I've done in terms of like my research, I'm asking the question, how will academ um, academics and students at Cambridge University reimagine the future of, that, of higher education in the post-COVID university? And part of it has been the podcast itself, but then also what I've done, I've also in, uh, conducted the private interviews, but what I did with those is that I made a special compilation episode of really like interesting bits from the podcast uh, interviews, which I compiled and then send off to my research participants who listen to it in advance. And so they were reflecting on what people had said in a podcast. So again, it's this sort of recycling of bits of conversation that can spur further conversation and it can really take your thinking to the next level. And I found that really fascinating as a process. So on that sort of like reflection and imagination, I think you've said it before that this could be, it's a critical point where an an institution sort of can reimagine how they create knowledge. Has that been a lot of one of the topics that people have talked about? Exactly. So there's been uh, there's been so much said and it's it's absolutely fascinating. So one of the things that people have been uh, expressing is that they would want to have a university that appreciates and welcomes and embraces different kinds of knowledge, different ways of knowing and different ways of being. So to have more space for that kind of diversity. So in academic norms and standards, we, we tend to be quite rigid in our expectations and the way that we do things. And they often don't even get questioned anymore because it's just the way that we've always done things. Um, and that's a very human thing. We all tend to do that. It's like, it's part of tradition. And Cambridge in particular is a very sort of traditional institution that's very much embedded in the tradition. That's what um, appeals to people as well. Um, but a lot of people have been expressing that they would want more space for creativity, for um, indeed, as I was saying before, different learning styles, different research styles. Um, you know, some people were saying like, what, what if we can um, do some courses, but we're walking while we're having like a, some kind of conversation or a seminar to become more embodied you know it's like just an a, a, an idea but like what about our bodies we're often just focused on our minds and we tend to forget you know we're not just brains on sticks we have these bodies and we learn through our senses we learn through 
um, I mean, audio and working with sort of the podcast is a way of doing so because it's, it's a more embodied um, experience to listen to someone's voice. It has a lot of affective qualities, a lot of emotive, a lot of motion going on. And I think um, we need to reconnect with our bodies when we're learning. Um, and that is really important. So how can we do that? And so, for instance, in my research, I'm really thinking about my thesis itself as a final end product as well. How can I make this an embodied experience of the thesis for those people that are going to be assessing me, you know, that are going to be um, reading my work and then putting a grade onto it? How can, how can I make it into a different kind of a more sensory experience for them? And those kinds of questions are really interesting to engage with and it's just really exciting. Yeah. So a lot of people have been saying that. A lot of people have been saying that they would like to see more interdisciplinary collaboration. Um, I recently did a, a podcast collaboration with BlueSci from BlueSci Mag. Uh, so they're the science podcast here at the Cambridge University. And it was really interesting to see how much we have in common, despite obviously our differences. We're struggling with similar issues, such as like even the question of, of race and racism in our departments and how we deal with ethics of research. They were um, discussing how they're dealing with similar questions. So how can we collaborate on these things? How can we exchange more, especially um, with topics related to like COVID-19? They're so interdisciplinary. If, if we only look at it from an educational point of view, well, what about the, uh, the eco economics? What about, you know, the medical side? So there are all these different perspectives that uh, uh, you know, tend to shape public policy and all that stuff. So um, a lot of people have been saying that. Um, even just within departments, it's sometimes it's quite hard to get in touch with people who are still doing something different. That's, I mean, we, we, we tend to specialize a lot in academia as you advance, but it would be really nice to still keep those transdisciplinary conversations going. Yeah. Thinking about the universities and education sector more broadly, was there any fears around the idea of online learning and sort of marketization? I mean, there's a lot of people talking about that because I've been discussing uh, not just hopes, but also our fears for the future. And marketization is definitely one of them, especially when we move to online education. There's this risk of massification. Uh, we're taking the human out of education. We don't relate to each other as humans anymore. And I think that is really important. Same thing with marketization. It's like this sentiment of um, students being customers, right? And we, we buy the product that the university offers. Um, and, you know, whether we like it or not, that is kind of how it works. Um, it, is, it is definitely a marketized system. So people are fearing that this is only going to get worse. And how can we avoid that? And I think part has to do with especially when we move to online, it's exactly this question of what makes us human that might disappear because we were increasingly disconnected from our bodies. Education becomes, as someone said in one of my interviews, it becomes just another tab open on my computer, you know, next to my, my, um, my online shopping and my, um, my Netflix and everything that I have going on on my laptop. Education is just another tab open. That's a frightening image. And I totally agree. That's incredibly frightening. So how can we avoid um, education becoming something like that? And I think um, this 
podcast has really led us back to the core questions that we often tend to forget to ask, such as what is education for? You know, what purpose does it serve? What, what purpose do we want it to serve? And oftentimes now in our system, we go to, we, we enjoy education because it will um, change our job prospects. It's for economic reasons. Um, we develop these skill sets so we can have a particular career. But when you ask people what they would want the purpose of education to be, it is really that which makes us human, to become more human, to become more well-rounded human beings, to learn how to be a good person. And obviously, developing those skill sets and that sort of specialized knowledge is part of it. But we need to not forget that ultimately we want to live in a world and a society in which education serves this purpose of turning us into better human beings who make better choices and who take better care of themselves rather than this incredibly individualized system. How do we coexist? How do we live together as humans in a society? And those kinds of questions, you know, they're kind of like, they're so basic and they're so sort of big and kind of vague and almost like, yeah, duh, that's obviously what we want. But we, we tend to lose track of those bigger purposes. And so I found it really important to, to go back to this type of thinking. Yeah. Well, I guess it all sort of boils down to um, creation of knowledge and development. It really scares me that that you said about um, education just being another tab. Yeah. Stepping away from what can education bring to me, but rather what I can give to education, I think is, and knowledge is, is fascinating mindset that a lot of people probably have forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. It's a two-way thing, right? I mean, ultimately, we are the ones making up education. We do this together as professors and students in Cambridge. You know, we are the education system. Um, but at an institution like Cambridge, which is a higher ed education institution, we, we tend not to reflect so much on how actually we're, we're doing this thing called education. So um, the podcast has exactly been this, of, of practicing this sort of more reflexive attitude and just reconsider what kind of institution do we ultimately want? Well, we want more transdisciplinary collaboration. We want more embodied uh, education. We want more space for creativity and alternative ways of knowing. We want more collaborative knowledge making. Um, and we want to return also to this question of, okay, how can we um, ensure that this is, remains a human thing, education, you know? Um, so those are really important things that have come up. Uh, listening to you and Corin chats and things, it gets me thinking, have you always sort of had that sort of um, creative or <laughs> sort of um, challenge the, the norms of education? Have that, has that, yeah. When did that start? Well, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and definitely there's a huge backstory on this. Um, really kind of the story of my life is trying to how trying to find ways to bridge between academic or more intellectual endeavors and the more creative ones and finding a space for myself to reunite all these different um, things that I'm interested in. Um, so before coming to Cambridge um, in the past three years, I was doing my undergraduate degree, but um, rather than doing one degree, I um, decided to, to do three undergraduate degrees at the same time. 
Um, <laughs> because as I mean, you've noticed, I find it really important uh, to, to be a well-rounded thinker and human being. And especially in Europe in particular, we have still the system that you just study history or philosophy or economics or whatever it is. Um, I wanted to learn about many different things and I couldn't really find a format to do so. And also I, I know from myself that I thrive when I feel challenged. And so I decided to really challenge myself by embarking on this journey, on this roller coaster of doing three degrees at the same time in three years time. And um, I wanted it to be international as well. So I, uh, did, I studied at the University of Amsterdam. I, I spent a year in New York at the New School doing like more photography stuff. I'm also a photographer and I, uh, I'm a writer. Um, so I was doing those kinds of things. And then one of my degrees was at uh, London School of Economics through the University of London in um, international relations. So the other two were in philosophy and literary and cultural studies. So it was a very sort of well-rounded um, package of, of topics that I'm very interested in and especially their sort of intersections. And it was really nuts. I mean, I have to tell you, doing nine years of work in three years time whilst traveling and I mean, also working on the side, it was crazy, but it was amazing as well. It was really like mind blowing, like the stuff that I learned, it was really thrilling. And um, that has really been shaping me as an experience. And I mean, I did this in part because obviously it's not like you wake up and you're like, oh, what about doing three degrees instead of one? It's because right before I started doing that, I was actually um, living in Berlin and I had started an undergraduate degree. But after one semester, I dropped out because I was not, I was just not challenged enough. I was taking on extra courses on the side. I was doing like my, my own art stuff, but it was, the system was too rigid. They wouldn't allow me to take on more things. And, um, that's why I dropped out. And then I decided, you know, next year I'm going to do three degrees simultaneously. And I wanted to even do them like all with, finish them all with distinction because I'm like, that's like, that excites me, that sort of challenge. And then when it, you know, all works out, that's really cool. Um, and I mean, I was kind of, you know, like that already in, in, in high school. High school was not a great experience for me. I really didn't like it very much. I was, I had this sense of like, I was kind of angry with like, them making me until I was 18 go through the system where I was really just really bored <laughs> and like I sort of felt like I was in the waiting room you know I had to wait until I could start living life the way I wanted so I've always been a little bit stubborn and a little bit rebellious in that sense and when I was you know 16 I started or 15 I started actually taking on courses at university doing like philosophy and some religious uh studies because I was always interested in those bigger questions um I mean I'm just rambling on about all the stuff that I did now but yeah this might give you an impression of why you know this podcast is stands in that sort of my own tradition of my life on sort of kicking against um the the sort of the standard ways in which we tend to do things and trying to explore how we can expand beyond um the traditional um sort of boundaries 
I guess on on that note, this you know coming academic year, I guess people would have already applied, but going forward, there's going to be that sense of uncertainty around doing you know a graduate program or an undergraduate program. What would you say to the people who are thinking about it now, applying or not applying? Oof. I mean, it's hard to give any advice. You you're asking. Well, no, I'm just thinking. You don't have to like say to do it, but just the, the type of thoughts where we're talking about it now, where there is a lot of uncertainty about what is going to happen in autumn. But you know, that's obviously yeah. affecting people's decisions on yeah. on education. But the ideas that you're talking about and proposing around multidisciplinary sort of learning and online learning, what would you sort of say to yeah. someone who's thinking about I mean, it now? I am a huge fan of education as something that you do for yourself and to ask yourself what kind of education do I want and how can I design it or use it in such a way that it really fits my my own needs to custom make it for yourself and I think I mean I did an entire degree online one of my bachelors at the University of London it was fully uh, sort of distance remote learning and it, it gives you new opportunities, new ways of approaching education um, in which you can do other things on the side. And I think rather than looking at it as a as something that is a disadvantage or something that you wouldn't have wanted to be this way, try rethinking that, turning it around and thinking, huh, how can this be an opportunity for me to enjoy education that how I want to it? enjoy it how can i become more creative in my approach to this how can i what can i get out of this so turning this challenge into an opportunity i really love that mindset and i tend to do it with everything that i that happens to me in in my life it's it's like those challenges are opportunities and a podcast for me has been an opportunity um that i've you know has come out of the challenge so if you start to rethink it it's just really freeing and empowering and energizing so i that would be my recommendation obviously for everyone it's going to be different everyone has to make their own choices but try approaching it in that way <laughs> that's brilliant yeah it's it's a great it's a great way of looking at it um it's been absolutely fantastic talking to simone uh i wish you all the best with quarant chats yeah. i think everyone should give it a listen it's it's absolutely fascinating and i think you've great. got some really insightful things to say yeah. So thanks again for taking well, the time Well, thank you so much for having me. If people are interested in listening to the podcast, we are available on any platform, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google. Um, we're easy to find. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so yes, definitely. Um, any feedback is always welcome and people can reach out. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's it from us at the We Are The University podcast. If you like what you're hearing don't forget to head on over to apple podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and give us a five-star rating